thanks for joining us. Um, it's Easter Sunday, and it's a little bit unusual, isn't it? Years ago, I was on the London subway. Actually, it was early one Sunday morning, and I was walking down the stairs to, to catch a train. I had some instructions on where I had to go and so forth. But I was running early, fortunately. And as I went down the stairs, I, I noticed some, some litter and thought, oh, pick that up. So I picked it up and, and couldn't help but notice it was a letter. And it sort of was all scribbled out. But it just started quite simply with, dear dad, um, how are you? I'm not doing so well. And then scribble, scribble, scribble. I thought, oh, this looks like, you know, um, a letter from a child to a dad. And I walked down some more stairs and, and then there was another one exactly the same. So I thought, oh, I'll pick that one up too. And as I picked that up, it was pretty much the same sort of thing, except now um, it must have been, you know, the father's daughter was writing. Um, there was a name there, a girl's name. And but again, all scribbled out and so forth. And I went down the stairs some more and there was a third and I think I ended up with four copies that I eventually put in the bin. But I remember walking away from uh, those, those letters and, and my heart just going out to this, this young girl who was trying to reach out to her father uh, through the, the written letter but just didn't quite know how to, to do that. Well, the message of Easter and particularly Resurrection Sunday is a, a message to everybody who feels a little bit abandoned, perhaps forgotten, or perhaps somewhat lost. Of course, of the many passages that we could look at, I find myself every Easter thinking, which one, which one? Because I, I love all of the stories. They're all so, so filled with hope. And I've chosen um, for today... A passage from John chapter 20, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 18, and perhaps if you have your Bibles at home, you'd like to read along with me. Uh, it's a very, very tender, very beautiful passage, a passage of hope, but, but of course it is all about the resurrected Christ and what that means for you and for I today. John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded and lying apart from the other wrappings. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Throughout um, many of the resurrection stories, we often often see that that those to whom Jesus appeared were quite surprised by this. They didn't understand what was going on. But the one person who is never surprised is Jesus. He's not surprised at all. In fact, on, on eight or more occasions, Jesus had predicted not only his death, but his resurrection as well. He was absolutely sure, yes, that he must die to take the sin of the world, but that he would also be resurrected by his father. So how did this actually happen? What happened in the tomb that morning? What actually took place to resurrect the the body of Jesus? Well, if we were to play detective for a moment and if we were to come across this scene, there are a few things that we would notice. The first thing that we would notice is what's missing. Now, the soldiers were missing, obviously, um, and, and that's because the body was missing. The soldiers were missing quite simply because there was nothing to guard anymore. There was no need for them to be there. But then the body was also missing, the body of Jesus. It, it wasn't just in a different place. It, it wasn't confused with another body. The tomb was empty. It was absolutely empty. There were no bodies in there. There was, there was no body of Jesus Christ lying in the tomb that morning. It was gone. And then we would probably, as we compared witness statements, um, as detectives, we would we'd come across several reports of angels. Matthew tells us that, that one was, was reported to have actually rolled away the stone, and then he sat on it. I, I love that. If you think of all of the, the planning and scheming and plotting over a, a, a long period of time to crucify Jesus, man laying down his, his plan to, to get rid of the Son of God. And it's simply reversed in this, this very, very brief moment where an angel rolls back the stone and sits on it. It's done. <laughs> I love that. But there's also angels inside the tomb that seem to appear and in different, different places at different times. And, and each of them have a message, the good news, that Jesus is no longer there, that he has risen from the dead. So the role of the angel seems to be to roll away the stone. And, and that, I would suggest, is, is more for the benefit of the disciples than it was for the benefit of, benefit of Jesus. And we'll, we'll see why in just a moment. But the angel seemed to be there to roll away the stone and then to, to give a message. But 
But there's no suggestion that they had any other part necessarily in, in the resurrection. And then again, as we visited the scene, we would look around for, okay, well, there are things missing. There are several witnesses and we can, we can get, you know, piece together the story from that. But then there is also this other matter of, of the bandages or the, the linen cloth that was used to wrap the body of Jesus. It's lying there. Most odd. If you were going to steal the body, you wouldn't unwrap it, would you? So the linen that was wrapped around the body of Jesus is, is lying there on the ground, except for, and this is an interesting note, Peter sees it first, but then John also sees it, except for the bandages or the linen that was wrapped around the head of Jesus. That is actually, the Greek term for it means to be folded or rolled up, but folded carefully and placed separate to the other bandages. Now, after Peter sees this, it seems that, that again, perhaps he calls for John's attention and, and says, come, come and look. But the disciple um, who Jesus loved, he, he comes and he looks into the, the grave and he sees this as well. And then John notes this, this, this disciple saw and believed. It was the compelling evidence that caused him to believe in the resurrection of Christ. So exactly how did this take place? Going back to that question, what, 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 what actually happened to raise Jesus back to life? Perhaps from the suggestion of the bandages, there's, there's two possibilities. Jesus, Jesus said in John chapter 10 that, that the Son of Man is, is a good shepherd and he, he lays down his life for the sheep willingly. Nobody takes his life from him. He lays it down only to take it up again. And perhaps on that suggestion, we, we might say that, well, the power of God reunited the spirit of Jesus with the body of Jesus in that moment. And then, and then Jesus, his, his new body um, passed through the bandages, just as we know that, that he was able to pass through a wall or a door and, and appear here, but then disappear in different, different ways. He was able to pass through material things, which is why I say that the angel rolled the stone away, probably for the benefit of the disciples, not for Jesus, who could have easily passed through the tomb. So that is one possibility, definitely. And if that's the case, why did he fold up the, you know, the bandages, the, the cloths that had been around his body were just left apparently on the floor, but, but the bandage that had been around his head is folded up neatly. Did, did he do that to just say, well, I won't be needing that anymore, and, and just fold it up and put it into place for, for that reason? I don't know. And the text doesn't tell us too much, and we've got to be careful about speculation here, but here's another possibility as well. This possibility is that, that God himself perhaps was unwrapping the body of his son. In, in the same way that in Genesis, he intimately breathes life into the nostrils of, of Adam, the first man. Perhaps, perhaps now, he also is intimately involved in raising Christ up from the dead as well. 
on on this uh, scenario, perhaps he hastily unwraps most of the body, but but when he gets to the bandages that were wrapped around the wounded head of his only son, perhaps he's he's careful there. He carefully unwraps those bandages and he and he carefully folds them up and puts them aside before breathing life into his son. Perhaps it's a little bit like when Jesus raised Lazarus up from the dead and he calls him to come out of the tomb and Lazarus comes out of the tomb, but he's still got the bandages on him. He physically needs somebody to, to unwrap the bandages. And so he says, unwrap him, let him, let him go. Perhaps the father likewise did that for his, his son. We don't actually know. And as I say, we must be careful of, of speculation. But we do know this. The New Testament accredits the raising of Jesus Christ to life again to his father, God. On 23 different occasions, the New Testament says God raised him to life. He raised him from death. Um, we were just looking at Acts chapter 4, verse 10, last week. And, and that is where Luke records that you crucified him, but God raised him to life. And again and again and again, the New Testament testimony is that it was God who raised his son to life. Jesus was raised to life by his, his father. An uh, interesting verse is Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says here that, that God um, exert, exerted great power on our behalf, the same power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. God exerted great power to raise up his son. And the extent to which, you know, he may have manifested himself physically in that grave or not, we, we don't know. But we do know he loved his son and it was done with a great affection and great intimacy. God came and got his son. Going back to my story in the subway, um, that poor girl was trying desperately to think of how she could reach out to her father. And I guess in some ways there are many people like that around the world wanting to reach out to, yes, perhaps their earthly father, but also their heavenly father as well, and not knowing how do you go about that. Well, the, the good news of Easter Sunday is that God is, is reaching out for you. He's reaching out for, for all of us, to all humanity. He's reaching out to us. The fact that we don't know quite how to reach out to him, that doesn't matter. The answer is here. In the same way that he, he came for his son, he comes for you and for me and for, for every single one of us. The good news of the gospel is if he raised up Jesus from the dead, he'll raise you up too. And this has implications in many areas of our life. The, the resurrection means that in Christ we overcome physical death. Um, in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
even though you may die, yet you will live. It also means that we overcome a spiritual death. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, Paul writes, just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. This was the sort of life that, that Jesus spoke about to Nicodemus, that you must be born again, meaning spiritual life. The resurrection of Jesus means that we overcome physical death and spiritual death, but also the death of hopelessness. In fact, that passage we're reading just before in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it is, it is talking actually about hope, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the hope that every child of God has. Let me read it to you. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. That same power that, that God used to raise Jesus from, Jesus from the dead is the same power that he is exerting in you and to I to overcome hopelessness, to give us hope. Um, we are able to overcome the death of hope. Here, Jesus raises us up from that hopelessness. And I guess I particularly want to speak to, to anyone of, of you who may feel a little bit like you're being buried, like at the moment your life feels that you're in a grave, in a, in, in a hole, that you've, that you've somehow been forgotten. God wants to speak to that today. Easter Sunday is a, is a day of, of great hope for you. In the same way that the Father came for his Son, he's also coming for you. You don't have to worry about how can I reach out to my heavenly Father? I'm in such a hole. I'm in such a difficult spot. You don't have to worry about that. The Father wants to remind you today that as he came for his first son, he comes for every child and he's coming for you as well. My prayer for you this Sunday is that, that you'll, you'll see the wonderful love of God expressed through the resurrection of Jesus, that you'll see the Father's love, that you'll see his hand being held out to you just in the same way that his hand was held out to his son, Jesus Christ. If he raised up Jesus, he'll raise you up as well. If he came for his first son, he will come for you. And this morning, there's an invitation for you to take his hand. Reach out, take it. Don't worry about how you can reach out to God. Just believe he is reaching out to you. That's the wonderful message of Easter. It's the wonderful message of resurrection life for all of us. We can overcome physical death, spiritual death, and the death of hopelessness itself. Great power is available to all of us who believe. That power is available to you this Sunday. Won't you take it? Won't you reach out? Won't you take it now? Lord bless you.